This is Brandon O'Brien from Redeemer City to City. We're talking this week with staff and friends of City to City in the U.S. and around the world as we all try to figure out together how to respond wisely and faithfully to the global COVID-19 pandemic. As of March 15th, churches around the world were advised against or legally prohibited from meeting in person. So one question everybody was asking around the world was, how can we be the church if we can't gather together in person on the weekend? This week, people are asking even more questions as it becomes clear that many of these restrictions against gathering might last several weeks or even longer. In this episode, I talked to David Whitehead, who is global coaching catalyst for Redeemer City to City. He talks about some of the idols and insecurities that are common for ministry leaders in general, but they can be especially heightened in trying times like these. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Brandon O'Brien from Redeemer City to City, and I'm talking with Dave Whitehead, who is the Global Coaching Catalyst for City to City. And uh, I want to talk with him a little bit about uh, the role coaching plays in our networks in general, but then how that role might be growing, shifting, etc. in light of our um, the global situation of being um, restricted, having restricted movement and less proximity to one another and those sorts of things. So David, thanks for joining us. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, Brandon. Thanks for inviting me. For sure. Uh, let's start off just a level set. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what coaching is normally? So in an ideal situation, how are you usually interacting with pastors, church planners, and other coaches around the world? Well, I, I started my first church in 1982, and it was a total accident. But you know what? Um, if I had had a coach, I probably would have endured a lot less pain and suffering. Uh, one of the things that I've discovered uh, since uh, that time is that my experience is not unique, that really church planting and really denominations and networks have wonderful training systems. They have support systems in terms of finances and other things, but there's not necessarily a support system for leaders once they've launched into a major project, as in a church plant or, or a transition type of thing. Really, those leaders are kind of on their own in many ways. And so I've come to discover that coaching is a critical, I, I might even say an essential part of healthy leadership in times of transition, new things, different things, when things shift, to have a separate set of eyes and ears to help that leader see the world therein from an outside perspective, and yet not getting in the way of that perspective because it's more question-based than consultant-based. I'm finding that to be actually a very dramatic and powerful tool that's helping the leaders we're working with today. Got it. Excellent. And the leaders you're working with, uh, your title, Global Coaching Catalyst, what is it you're trying to do kind of worldwide for City to City's coaching initiative? Well, in many ways, we're, we're awakening to the need of coaching, first of all, because coaching in the church world is still relatively new. So we're, we're helping people understand what coaching is, what it isn't. We're also coming in and helping leaders understand how coaching creates an entirely new leadership development pipeline within their movements. Whereas before, you had to be skilled as a trainer or a presenter, but there are a lot of people who could actually coach who may not be uh, trainers. So it actually creates a new opportunity to, to bring people into a movement, 
learn the, the, the values and the vision of that movement and propagate that vision throughout uh, that general area. So that's number one. But number two, and I think even more profoundly, it's uh, maybe, maybe this should be number one really, is that it's, it's, it's helping leaders get the support they need when they're in the middle of stressful situations like starting a new church or bringing on their first elder or figuring out whatever their polity is. Um, to have someone just to, who's trained to walk alongside them, I think is, is worth its weight in gold. And if I might take it just one step further, um, I got certified with a couple of organizations as a coach. I've been in ministry since 1982. And so um, when I discovered this, I, I recognized that not only did leaders need coaching, but we discovered with Dr. Tom Wood, gospel coaching. When we, when we could put the gospel in the center of this coaching experience, that was a game changer. So it was, it was also helping leaders not just achieve the goals in their projects, but also keeping their identity as a child of God not losing who they are in the midst of the very real demands and rigors that that project was requiring of them. Yeah. Yeah. So you're uh, ordinarily under normal circumstances, working with church planners and coaching other coaches to work with church planners to help them negotiate the normal stresses and high demands of ministry, especially urban ministry. Right. So in uh, as city to city does in, um, big cities around the world yeah Um, that's right so now uh in light of this sort of this global pandemic this is a new stressful situation (laughs) that uh that a lot of the world is experiencing in very similar ways at the same time which makes it a really remarkable kind of historical moment um i'm curious how your coaching conversations uh have changed or are changing or you know, what are, what are the present needs maybe that are different from your typical needs? Well, I would say we're actually in a place where we need more coaching than ever because now suddenly everybody's in this transition stage. So in, in one sense, Brandon, the only thing that changes is the topic matters, but actually the coaching doesn't change a bit because coaching by nature is a Socratic, it's a question-based method. I'm coming alongside a leader and just helping them see clearer what's in front of them. Yeah. So that really hasn't changed. And so now we're helping leaders see not just the challenges that they're facing, but also the opportunities that could be in front of them. Now, I can't tell them those opportunities because really all leadership in every dimension, in my opinion, is chemistry. It's not math. It's made up of a lot of different elements. The, the, the part of the country you live in, your unique temperament, the tradition that you represent, the actual makeup of the people that you're serving – all those things change the dynamics of this compound that we call that church or that religious organization. So actually coaching, I believe, is um, going to be even more strategic as leaders are facing a, a, a rapidly changing landscape in front of them. Well, and I know you're, so I'm asking you to do something you wouldn't normally do in coaching. Um, ordinarily, you would be responding to somebody's very specific situation and circumstances, but I know you've done this long enough and you've talked with enough church planners to probably see some patterns in idolatries or insecurities or places that, um, again, under ordinary ministry circumstances, um, would, would be, you know, kind of clawing it at a, at a local leader. And I'm wondering what things you would anticipate right now pastors are 
experiencing or feeling that, um, yeah, that the, the, they would need to apply the gospel to in this moment. Right. Well, let me just say, first of all, I, I really believe that people are looking to leaders right now. And so I think this is a key moment for pastors to stand up and to speak in whatever way that they can, because we have a very frightened general public, a disoriented general public, and not just within your churches or organizations, but in your neighborhoods, Mm. you know, this is, this is a key time. So um, I would say what, what could, what could we do that, that uh, what are the opportunities? What are the, the challenges they face? Well, um, if a leader, uh, most leaders that I coach, when you come down to the idols, the insecurities, um, many times it's a fear of failure. Leadership by nature is a performance-driven role. And there's a fear of failure. There's a fear that they're not going to be able to measure up and do it. Secondly, leaders also are motivated many times by a fear of um, or of a need for approval. And so they have a fear of disapproval. They, they don't want to make a wrong choice and they don't want to be disapproved by others. And so this, without them admitting it, and particularly this is true for men leaders specifically, I mean, uh, the role of ego in all of this plays a big, a big role. So they don't want to admit that they actually are looking for approval. And yet that type of background tape that's running in their soul causes them to make decisions that actually cause a lot more pain and heartache in their ministry than they realize. So having a gospel-centered coach to help them go, hey, wait a minute, you're in a safe space. We're, we're able to talk about this. Who are you outside of ministry? It's almost like as we become more human, we become more effective in ministry. Hmm. So so in many ways, I think this this recent crisis actually exposes the myth of the corporate pastor, uh, which I actually think is a myth, and uh, gives pastors the opportunity to be human in ways that um, the systems just hasn't allowed them to be in the past. And so to have a coach help them is going to be, I think, uh, uh, a big advantage. Let's, Let's pause there a second. How would you describe the myth of the corporate pastor? What is, yeah. what does that mean? Well, pastors nowadays, they have to be a visionary and they also have to be able to slow down for the, for, to be counseling with everybody. They, they need to be managerial, yet they also need to be generous with everyone. There's, there's, it's almost this superhuman type of quality that pastors feel pressed by social media. You know, they see so-and-so, they're comparing themselves or websites or so-and-so's church is growing. Why aren't, why isn't our church growing? And there's a pressure point to be the, the, the CEO of a religious organization, yeah. right? Or, but the problem is the things that make you a good CEO of a religious organization make you a bad pastor. And mm. the things that make you a good pastor actually make you a bad CEO, and when you're a lead pastor, you're dealing with the tension of those two very real requirements. Wow. Yeah. So I think uh, what I'm hearing you say is that you you see in coaching a pattern of pastors being driven by the need to perform and the need for approval um, that kind of yeah. bound, bind up together, right? And, and always having the right response to the situation. Now we're in a situation where the sort of key performance moment the weekend, right, is right, has been taken away. Um, there is no chance that the average 
pastor out there is prepared for whatever this is and however long this lasts and et cetera, right? So there's no chance they have the right answers <laughs> to the there's questions not. that people are asking. And, uh, and then, yeah, and so uh, how, what would you say in a, again, I'm asking you to kind of do something in a generic way that you normally do in a very specific way, but what would you say to the pastors who are feeling that, uh, that idol of, uh, of approval and performance is being exposed? And what do they do with it? Well, interestingly enough, now they, they have some time that they didn't have before. I would encourage them to look deeply within, to take, take this season to actually dig deeper into who they are in Christ. It's, it's almost like all the outside trappings have been torn away all the the systems and mechanisms and now it's based upon phone or internet skills it's based upon how well they can connect it's it's not even like you can do a a food kitchen because at that point you know who's going to come and so it 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 does create a crisis of um efficiency Mm. and so now but you're given a chance to dig into Jesus and to say, who am I outside of all these external trappings, all these external requirements of being a pastor? Now, that's number one. Now, number two, it's it's also, I think, taking a square look at the realities around us. Um, uh, it's, it's the Romans 4, you know, Abram looked at his body regarding it as dead, and yet in light of the promises of God did not waver. So it's a both end. It's, it's looking at this epidemic's not going away, and it's not standing still. We have people who are listening to this podcast who probably will have people die in their congregation as a result of this. Mm-hmm. How are they going to respond? Yeah. When, not if, but when those people die. And then how are they going to shepherd uh, or, or lead the people around those people forward? in the midst of heartache. Yeah. And I think what I, I want to repeat, not because you didn't say it well, but because I don't want people to miss it is that the first, the first uh, question that you pose the, who am I question, I think is really important because I think what most of us are going to feel inclined to talk about first is what do I do? Uh, How do I fix it? Um, What, you know, what new plates are spinning that I can't let drop and they really can't, take their attention off the logistics and the, you know, the challenges. And that, that applies to pastors and everyone else. Many of us are suddenly now working from home and homeschooling children and, you know, and you can't not worry about those things. Um, But, uh, but it's really important that people hear that call to say, you know, not just what do I do, but who am I, who am I in Christ? And um, despite, or in light of the anxieties that this, new situation is going to bring up um who am Brent, I? it's important for these leaders to recognize it's not just for their leadership it's also as an example yeah. because as of yesterday uh, march the 17th there was an article uh, about how one in five households have already experienced a layoff or reduction mm. in work hours wow how how their people uh 18 percent of u.s households have been hit with layoffs uh, and this is predominantly affecting low-income workers who are making less than 50000 a year. So, I mean, this is something that's hitting their people right now. Yeah. So to dig down deep is going to be something they're going to actually have to ask their people to do. Mm-hmm. 
who are going to be home with more time. Yeah. So, so I guess, do we want to be known in this season as the guys who caught up with the latest season of whatever on Netflix? <laughs> or are we going to say, that's when Jesus did this work in my life. That's when I came back to a joy because I'd lost my identity as a, as a pastor, or I had lost my identity as a, as a worker. Um, I think pastors have a great opportunity right now. And interestingly enough, it's, it's going to start off first with paying attention to their own souls. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the opportunity to listen uh, to what God is speaking to them in the, in a, in a sort of eerie quiet <laughs> in their schedule. Right. And um, do you, what other, what other opportunities do you see um, again for the sort of um, recalibrating or um, recentering of ministry here in, in light of the restrictions that have been put on us? Well, I think, I think Americans, um, who was it? C.S. Lewis who said pain is God's megaphone to the deaf. Mm. Uh, I feel like that we have people hurting. And so now they're listening. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we recalibrate our own souls before Christ so that when those moments come up for us to on a phone call or on the internet, uh, many of us know how to use technology like Zoom or Google Hangout or Meet or whatever you're using. Um, there, there's tremendous opportunities to bring words of encouragement to people who are actually listening. Mm -hmm. they're, 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 uh, this pain has taken off the veneer of uh, control or security that most Americans have had. And um, yeah, and, and people are, are now experiencing this. And once again, uh, my prayer is that we don't experience this majorly, but what if we have a very high casualty rate in the U.S., then everybody's going to be affected by a death of someone. Yeah. And death becomes this great reminder of our own mortality. Mm. Are we ready to speak into that? Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. I, I think this is a really helpful conversation. I think that the, um, you know, last week, a lot of ministry leaders' minds was on, uh, were, were focused on how do we, how do we gather on Sunday? You know, that was a, a sort of a quick, um, a quick response to a rapidly changing situation was how do, if we can't meet in person, then how do we have a service? And this week, I think people are adjusting beyond the, this weekend, we have to make these adjustments to, for the foreseeable future, we may have to meet online and do other things. And then, if if twenty percent of the American public are experiencing economic impact already, then a month from now that number is going to go up. How do we adjust in general to new ways of thinking? Right. So I think that the last week the issues were very immediate. This week they're becoming a little longer term, and uh, I think the call to um, pay attention to what God is saying to us and to uh, reflect on. Um, how we can lead by example through difficult time is a really timely challenge. I appreciate that. Yeah, and think about it. It's a it's unique opportunity. As Americans, we've gained so much identity from our own net worth and how much we have. We didn't realize how much, but no. now that that's being threatened, uh, what an opportunity to come in with the words of God. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. I've, I've been asking other people that we've talked to, is there anything that I didn't ask or we didn't talk about that you want to make sure that you leave people with before we part? Well, I would say there's no reason to do this alone. 
I think coaching is just a formal way of having two human beings interact with each other in meaningful ways for forward progress. So uh, don't, I, I would encourage any leader to feel, uh, don't feel like you have to do this alone. You have resources available to you. And that's one of the things we want to offer at City to City. We are uh, ready to help in any way that we can to simply help you see what's best next. Is there somewhere you'd like for people to go online if they wanted to reach out or do something like that? Yeah, they could They could go to, they could just do coaching at RedeemerCityToCity.com. Coaching at RedeemerCityToCity.com. Great. And that email will come to us and we'll take the next steps from there. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much, Dave. This has been a real help. Thank you, Brandon. Mm-hmm.